outside Outside the nine to five Make the cloud rise How the money just multiply On the outside Outside the nine to five Long as I strive Success finna multiply On the outside All right, dude. I I I'm starting to laugh already at this intro. You know why, Kev? You know why? Why? Because I know I'm gonna butcher his last name. Can you Absolutely say? Absolutely butcher it. Can you say your last name so I can get it wrong after yeah. you already tell me? How do you say your last name, bro? Chippielli. So Chippielli. E Ellie. Chippielli. All right. Let me let me give this a go. With us today is the founder and owner of Four One Two Financial, a Pittsburgh-based financial advisory firm. Former collegiate football player, a man of strong faith who has been and is in the trenches building himself like we are all are. And don't forget one handsome goddamn dude. Welcome to the show, Cole Chippielli. Was that close? Yeah, it is, man. You got it. Look at that. Look at that, Cole. He was nervous. Nervous for nothing. Nervous. Very nervous. Very nervous. Let me tell you about my nerves, though. After you present and do like a 30-person, 40-minute presentation... I feel a little bit more comfortable doing it with some, you know, podcasts, some yeah, of my boys. Yeah. Oh yeah. I agree. Yeah. I gotta say, Cole, I've been watching the terminalist on a uh, prime video right now. I just finished the series. It's great. It's Chris Pratt. You look yeah. exactly like him in that show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really random, really Chris random, Pratt. but no, uh, yeah, no, I've had that. Yeah. yeah. You're not the first person to tell me I look like Chris Pratt. It's funny. <laughs> look it up. Look it up. <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah. <laughs> um i appreciate it guys i'm I'm, uh, excited to be on here well and you know what's funny man this is like total tangent into like some of the questions we're gonna ask but i think it's pretty goddamn cool that we connected through social media but then also like a coaching group and i know people app you know there's that netflix documentary about all the negative shit with with respect to social media and stuff like that but to me it's like you and i built a pretty cool relationship where we talk pretty frequently just through instagram and it's like Yep. All right, I would go for you, go to you for advice, but it's like people ha- hammer social media, and then there's all this cool connections that people make if they can utilize it as a tool to benefit them. So I just exactly no, yeah, 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 that's the key, right? Social media, I think, definitely has a lot of negativity to it. Um, it can definitely suck people down the wrong <laughs> rabbit hole, but to use it right, to use it as a tool, you know, make connections, um, use the way to get your message out there, um, to put positivity out because it's all negative. Um, yeah, I'm with you there. It's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I made a ton of connections from social media just by posting um, and doing things. And it's cool to see. It's a one that's one of the, the positives of uh, of social media that people need to focus on more rather than what's a Kardashian's doing or something. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> drives me insane, man. I, I use I try to use social media as a, a tool for you know ex- uh, inspiration, motivation, um, and then connecting with people that are like-minded. You know, I think you know the cool thing about coaching groups you could say or just groups in general on social media as you can find people who are like-minded like a tribe of people that all like what you're doing and and see you know the same path that you see and you can connect with them and that's kind of how we uh we connected you know because we yeah. wouldn't be connecting if we didn't see the same path uh you know what we want in our lives i hear you i hear you so yeah. um go ahead Jeff. so you two met through the uh the lion then coaching group which is uh yeah. sean sean whalen right yeah, yeah. so i'm curious I think we've talked about this, Colton, but I'm curious why you took the leap and, and joined a coaching group because there can be there's a lot of apprehension around things like that nowadays. Of course, there's a lot of groups out there. There are a lot of yeah. gurus, 
Um, I know yeah, Sean Whalen doesn't present himself like that, but just curious as to you know, your yeah. thought process behind um, moving forward uh, with, yeah. with that coaching group. No, yeah, so I'm not in it anymore. Um, I hopped out of it, but why I joined it was just because I wanted to see what it was about. Um, you know, you talk about investing in yourself. I was, I've always done that. Um, and that was a, a scenario where I'm like, let's do it just to see, you know, how did Sean run it? You know, because people can hate Sean, you know, love Sean, doesn't matter. But what he's doing is real. You know, it's not fake. He doesn't have a fake group and fake, you know, Twitter followers. Right. It's not fake. It's a group of real people doing real business. So I wanted to see what it was about. How did he run it? How did he talk? Well, you know, what did I knew his story? So I wanted to get more of the one on one with him of like, you know, how his mindset works. Cause in life, I really feel when you get out in the world and you're, you know, building a business, it's, it's mindset, right? It's the only thing stopping you. No one's you know, in most places, no one's coming up and hitting you and saying, Oh, I'm not, you know, you're trying to sell them something. I'm going to hit you. You know, no, it's just the word. No. So it's all mental. Um, so when I joined it, I just wanted to see what it was about, you know, cause that's something I'm passionate about is when I continue to build myself, I want to help others build themselves as well. So I wanted to see what it was about and I joined it and did it for, um, I think almost a year, I think. And then this year with everything going on, I hopped out just because I wasn't utilizing it and I got enough out of it where I'm like, all right, I see, you know, how he laid the foundation out to it. And uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Just wanted to join to see what it was about. Yeah. So that's, that's a great point. Mindset is I mean, probably one of the most underrated things out there, especially, I mean, considering what we do as financial advisors, you're putting yourself yeah, in a pretty vulnerable position because you, essentially you're the product, right? And yep. so if somebody says no, they're saying no to you. Um, so I'm exactly. curious, w- with the mindset piece, is was there a specific, uh, you know, thing you were trying to hone, a, you know, a tool from a mindset standpoint, you were trying to sharpen anything there? Um, I think it's the, the negative talk and self-confidence. You know, I think when you look at Sean Whalen from an outside perspective, probably people think like, oh, he has a big ego or, you know, he's very confident in himself. Um, you know, that's a that's a making of a man being able to win the battle in his mind. You know, when you see someone like that, you can tell like in their mind, like you probably think he has an ego, right? I cocky this, that it's how you view it. Right. But um, the, the self-confidence part, right. How do you overcome all the negative thoughts in your head? Right. And religion is a big part of that as well. But like when I was looking at, you know, Sean, I'm like, okay, this guy has been through things, right. Love that. Right. You want to, you want to follow someone who's been through some hard times and the way he talked, the way he was, you know, connecting with people and, and changing people's lives. I'm like, that's, you know, how is he doing it? What's he saying? What's his message? What is in his mind? Is he saying to himself to, to keep this train rolling? You know, cause I think we all understand that we have good days and bad days and the bad days are the ones I try to like, you know, study and hone on. Cause I'm like, why, you know, like it, we're all blessed. You know, if you're walking, you're breathing, you're, you're up, you're going like, you should be like, you know, enthusiastic. Let's go. Let's get after it today. And we all have negative days, man. We have days where you feel like, what am I doing? I, I can't do this. I'm the worst. Like, I, I, know, I know how to do what I want to do. Like, all the goals I have, how do you overcome that and to keep going? Um, so, you know, he was one. Andy Frisella probably is the number one guy on my list that I listen to for the m- mindset side. Um, but Sean was more of like, hey, I can join a group, get in there and get with him one-on-one every week and see what he says every week, see what he's going through life. How's he handling what's going on in the world? Um, so that was really it, man. Just kind of plug into someone that's doing big things that I want to do one day. Yeah, that's that's very cool. One thing you said there around uh, the good days and the bad days, and one thing I've noticed from at least my observation is the people that are the most elite, those bad days are the ones that really separate everybody else, right? 
it's what you end up doing on those days you don't feel well. And it's, it's classic. It's a classic quote. You would you would think it if you, you sat down and thought it, but I think of any any great athlete out there, easy example, Jordan, Tiger Woods. Yeah, the, the bad days, yep. they 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 look average on the bad days, which is I mean, in their profession pretty pretty wild. Yeah. So Yeah, and, we, and I think, you know, you might we both all do it. I right? mean you see someone like that who's work who works or at a high profession level, you think it's easy for them, right? You're like, how yeah, they do that, man. Man, they're good. It's just the little battles every day, the little battles right. they win each and every day. And then it's like what Andy says, right? You just stack more, you stack more wins than losses in a week, in a month, in a quarter, in a year. And you're going to look back and be happy, you know, because we're not, we're not all going to win each day. You're going to have mess ups. You're going to have days where you're like, yo, I'm just laying down today. You just got to win more days than you lose. And I think Andy is a great example of that. And he talked about it all the time, right? Just win more days than you lose and you'll like where you're at. I have two things I want to bring up. Um, <clears throat> something that you you briefly m- went over, but I yeah. find very very interesting. You mentioned confidence to me, and it's like if I look at you externally, I, I would say, okay, this man has done some pretty incredible things, right? You yeah. know, he, he played D one college football at one of the largest schools in the country, and one of the most storied schools of the country, Penn state, little plug from my, my alma mater as well. But, and then you started a, your own company, man, like your own financial service company. And like I said, in the intro, you're a great looking guy. Like I would argue, why are you struggling with confidence? Right? Like, let me play the devil's advocate. Like, like talk about maybe trying to build that confidence for yourself. I think it's the imposter syndrome. You know what I mean? Like once again, I think when you come from, uh, when you come from a scenario and you're, you're trying to grow and improve your life, you're, you're entering in new areas you've never been, right? So when you get to these areas, you're, you're looking ahead at things you want to do and you've never been there. You don't know how you're going to get there. It's the confidence part in yourself where you look back and you're like, wait, can I do this? Like, I've never, never done this before. I don't know how to, how am I going to grow a business from one person to multiple advisors, multiple groups, right? How am I going to go from a small little school and go play at the biggest level in the big 10. How am I going to do it? I don't know. I just do it. Like literally that's how I have gotten where I'm at today is literally by taking those steps and saying, I see where I want to go. I have no clue where I'm going to go, but I'm just going to do it. And even in the process of it every day, man, I battle it. That's why fitness has been so big to me because it allows me to, you know, basically strengthen the mind, right. To feel good about myself, to look in the mirror and say, you know what, no matter what happens, you're taking care of yourself. You're putting in the work. You're getting better. You know, just keep believing yourself. Just keep going, right? God puts you here for a reason. God is creating this mind and this momentum for you. Just keep going. And it's literally just one day at a time. But the confidence part, right? From the outside looking in, probably look, yeah, this guy's done a lot. I don't feel like I've done anything. I don't feel like I'm confident enough to even come on to, you know, a podcast or create my own podcast and talk about the things I've done and where I'm at just because of the, you know, who am I to say, hey, this is how you should look and this is how you should live, right? Talk about things um, I've been through. Um, but I think we all go through that, right? You're, we're trying to grow and we're going to expand into different areas of life we've never been. I think that creates some you know, anxiety and some un, you know, self-confidence in yourself. Can you do it? And your brain will play tricks on you, man. When you when yeah. you enter into a new arena, and I, just a personal example for me, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier, but off the show, I did a presentation in front of, you know, 20 people, 40 minutes long. And it's like, oh, yeah, man, I have a whoop 
I have a whoop on my wrist, dude. I'm for a week before that I'm practicing the presentation, you know, getting level 10 strain on my whoop, just practicing the presentation. (laughs) And it's like, I have no proof in my brain that I'm going to fail at this presentation, given my experience, but dude, it's fucking scary entering into any new arena. I do because we're just on this personal development kind of trend right now. You mentioned Andy Frisella and Sean Whalen. I think yeah. personally for Kevin and I, we, we've talked about this on the show before. We didn't really feel like we had those people in our immediate circles or our families to give us that belief that we could do big things and we could, you know, really stretch ourselves. And I'm curious, how has your family played a role in that? Mm, and, 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 <laughs> why is like Andy Frisella the guy for you or, or, or Sean Whalen, the guy for you? Um, yeah. If, if, yeah, just go off of that. No, no. Great question. Um, so my father has played a big role in my life. Um, the biggest role. And he has always, always said, you know, since I was young, just, you know, go for it. What do you have to lose? And I, seriously, I, I come from very, very humble beginnings. You know, I don't come from anything, I guess you could say, you know, I guess a lot of people privileged, right. You know, privilege in one way, but definitely humble beginnings. And my father has played a big role in me taking risks, taking the chance um, and believing in myself. Right. Even when times when I didn't feel like it, he was the one I was like, you can do it. Go. Why not? What do you have to lose? Right. I mean, I can look back to playing, started playing sports, um, you know, then going, wanting to play in a higher level, wanting to, you know, do more every time you just, you got it. Why not? You have nothing to lose. Um, So, you know, having that backing has always been big because knowing like, my dad's going to take care of me. I can go and fail and you know, he, he's not going to care. He's going to be like, hey, you went for it, right? Um, so having that, I think, is a, is a big part, right? You need that in your circle. You need someone, people in your in your circle who are going to believe in you, right? And believe in you the right way because um, you need it. I, I think we all need it, right? It's very hard to be out here on your own trying to build a business or, or in your mind all the time thinking like, am I worthy enough? Can I do this? You know, and you're talking to God and it's great, but, you know, there's always that um, personal affection you need from family member, a friend where you're like, man, I'm going through it. Like, can I really do this? Should I be doing this? Am I doing the right thing? I don't know. Like it, you, when you have those days, you need someone um, in your corner to talk to and at least be like, look, just keep going. Cause my friend, you know, he told me he, he's going to be there. Like if there is nothing to lose, just go for it. So my father was a big one with that. I guess for me, man, even having those people, it's like when I look at an Andy Forseller, I look at anyone incredible at their craft. I think why I gravitate towards looking at them is because they have accomplished that thing. Even yes. though your father might have been all in on you doing that thing at the next level, I, I, I'm guessing maybe he never played collegiate football. Like yeah. that's that's my guess, right? So yeah. like Andy Forsella building an amazing business or whoever it is, the athletes I or the people I look up to in certain areas, it's like, the advice they're giving me is coming from a place of having done that thing instead of just believing in me because I'm me, you know, like, and that's yeah. what attracts me to people like Andy Priscilla or Sean Whalen. Did you have yeah. something, Kev? Yeah. Well, I, I feel like there's, there's like two groups of people, right? There's the people that push you forward, which would be like your dad. And then there's the people that kind of draw you forward, which is the people who are yeah. aspiring to be like, right. Um, and of course, Andy, you know, I've listened to a number of his podcasts and he exudes yeah. this, this confidence about him and this sureness that, you know, he's so, uh, he's almost too polarizing at sometimes for myself, yeah, for sure. but, but it's, it's such a, you know, he's so sure of himself. It's in, in that sense, it's, it's so attractive to hear what he says. 
Yeah, for sure. And especially in a world of so much information and so much do this to be successful, right? Do it this way. Um, You know, he brings that, uh, what I like about it, a little bit of the unbiased truth, right? Because there's no, no one paying him to say what he needs to say. And that's what I kind of like, because, you know, a lot of people, if you really dive into a lot of the stuff that people are out there saying that are, you know, I guess would be a, um, uh, uh, influencer yeah see who's paying them and what why they're saying what you know i think that's a big thing um but going back to you know what you said right there's people that draw you for the people that say go for it yeah my father was the one that um you know he laid the foundation for my family um and myself and him you know he worked 16 hour days he worked for the union like he, you know he's a blue collar guy he worked with his hands in you know hvac stuff but he was the one that laid the foundation was like, you're going to, you're going to go to school one, you know, with first with sports, right. You know, you're play sports and hopefully sports gets you to school, but you're going to go to school and you're going to use your mind. You're going to use your mind for a job. So you're not going to use your body. You know, I remember when I was, you know, young, he'd always help me, you know, show me stuff, but he was always, always made, let it known that, you know, you're not going to be doing this stuff. You know, you're not going to be working with your hands. You're not going to be out doing stuff like this. And I want this for you. So he was, when I look at it, like he literally laid his life on the line for me and did all the hard work, the true grit, working 16 hour shifts, making it to my football game, going back, working another 12 hour, doing everything he can to be at my games, be there for me, provide for me, take care of me, everything. And laid you know his life on the line to say, I want you to take the next step. I want you to take our family up to another level that we have never been. That's an amazing man. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Uh, contrasting that to just like how I feel. I mean, that, that is, that is amazing to have that in your life and in your corner as you're kind of growing up. So I know there was uh, some tough situations with your mom. Are you open to discussing yeah. that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah Cause you mentioned your dad being this like foundational figure in your life. Yeah. How, how, how did your mom kind of raise you and what, what was the dynamic, you know, like what, what did she instill in you? Yeah. So my mom, you know, we had a crazy dynamic um, for sure. Um, but you know what she instilled, um, and on me was more just, uh, you know, it's hard to put into, to just like one word or a sentence, but it really, um, just the experience of everything I saw her go through. And I was young, you know, my mom battled addiction, uh, pretty much my whole entire life. But, um, you know, I lived with her now. My dad was always around. They split up when I was young, but she was, uh, you know, I lived with her, um, up in that, you went, went to Blackhawk and it was more of the experience and seeing her battle it and seeing her have her good days and bad days. And, you know, having the experiences of stuff of, you know, having to try to wake her up one morning. Um, and she wouldn't, right. Call 911. I was in fourth grade. Um, and then when I got to sixth grade, couldn't do it. Once I started to connect the dots, you know, you start realizing like what's really going on and you're like, wait a minute, you know, like I can't live in this. I can't be here. And, you know, literally talking to my guidance counselor in school in sixth grade saying, crying, losing it, saying, you know, what's going on in my home and I, I can't be here, you know, and then guess my dad coming from work and saying, all right, we'll get you out. And I live with my friends, you know, for a couple months until we kind of figured some things out. Um, <clears throat> but she really, you know, and she instilled on me just the, honestly, the drive and determination that I'm like, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going down this path. You know, it's just, I know I want better for my life. I want more. I, I, this is not what it is, right? This is not what I'm going to be. This is not what I'm going to put my family through. This is not um, what I want for my life. And it was more just the experience of it and taking it from a positive saying, okay, you taught me this. You, I, I'm seeing, you know, what can happen when you let your little addictions go, right? Because you know, that's what she battled. Um, but, you know, it was more just experience. And she really allowed me to um, see the negative side of it, but also see the love that, you know, she still loved me. It was still a good relationship there, but um, just kind of see the negative side of a lot of things that I think a lot of people battle with nowadays, right? Addiction, 
you know, some, you know, having to go, go get a drink because you're feeling anxiety or taking this because of that, like I saw that with my mom. So anytime that ha- something happens, like fitness is my thing. Cause I'm like, it can be a bad addiction, right. For some point, but like, I'm not taking a substance. I'm not going for a drink. I'm not doing that because every time I'm like, no, I, I saw that with my mom. I saw that, but that's what she catered to. Um, so once again, it's like the experience of seeing it in the bad side of it. Yeah. You almost went the opposite direction. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. And when you have a lot of that, you know, turmoil at home and you're trying to act like it's not happening, you know, cause I'm with my friends in high school, you know, school and high school and, you know, their, their family's really, you know, from outside looking in fine, right. Mom and dad, yada, yada. Like, you know, you're, you just push it to the side and like sports is it. I focus on sports. And then when I had a chance to let out the anger, right. Let out the frustration and just focus in on something. It was sports. It was just being that, as I would say, like being that jock, like I'm the baddest, your mother alpha out here like i'm gonna come at you all game every game just because like you know i would just put that in my head at every game i played basketball baseball doesn't matter football like it was coming at you with sports and that was just all that garbage that i had to deal with everything that i just put to the side i just pulled out and used and drew, drew me forward i wouldn't want to be that uh linebacker cornerback trying to tackle you on a street <laughs> yeah <now. laughs> yeah yeah isn't that uh, you, you pointed on something funny there of like it's funny when you're a kid and you're yeah. like you have issues and it seems like everybody else's family is perfect and then you grow yeah. up and then you look back and you hear all these things about other people's families and you're like oh yeah. it's a shit show all over the place so right um, it's, it's it's funny how in the moment like as a kid it's it's so hard to, to see yeah. that perspective so yeah i think you know in seeing that perspective and and turning around on your family because I've had multiple, multiple, or had multiple conversations uh, with my mom about, you know, like, why isn't she like my other friends' moms, right? My other, because I had friends that their mom was like the, the go getter, you know, the ones that were getting it done. And I'm like, mom, like, I need you. Why are you not doing this? Like, their moms are doing this, da da da. Like, why are you not around? Why are you not doing this? So, um, yeah, in, you know, it's, you see it from the outside, but you don't really understand it. You don't understand like why she's not right. You're just thinking like, do, do you care? Like, you know, are you, you're more worried about that stuff than me. Like, what are you doing? Like, come on, you know, cause you don't understand the, the effects of it and how strong it really is and how it can just take over your life. And that's hard for a relationship, man. Like you almost have to grow. And this is just something I've recently realized with my, my father in the last two years, it's like I wanted him to be like every other dad, but it's like you yeah. almost just have to accept like in order to have any relationship and love that person in any capacity, you just have to accept who they are, because if you keep fighting that, you're just going to end up hating them. And that's like what I yep. really struggled with through college yeah. and, and entering into the adult world. Like I felt a strong dislike, disdain for my father. And then I hit a point where I was like, dude, I really want this guy in my life. And I just have to accept him where he's at, who he is. Yeah he ain't going to change, you know, it's, yeah. I can't do that for him. No, you, you, you hit it you know, nail on the head right there with you had, you go through like a, you know, experience, right. Point where you're like, you, you disdain them. You're like, I don't want anything to do with you. That was me in high school. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I would use my mom. I wasn't living with her and she was living, doing her thing. And I would just go to her where she was her apartment and, you know, get some money from her with my friends, you know, we're in high school driving around. I'm like, oh, I'm on. I'll just call my mom. She'll give me 40 bucks. Yeah, we'll go get it, whatever. We go and just get money, walk in, say hello. Hey, mommy. Yeah, Yo, hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. You got the money? And just, you know, take the money and leave and be like, thanks. See you. Like, that was the disdain. I'm like, oh, this lady, uh, you don't even be in my life. And 
after that, right, getting into then I got into, um, you know, my college year, freshman year, and um, we started getting closer. You know, we started actually having conversations again. You know, she she cleaned up at this point. Right. She was um, doing so much better. Um, started having conversations, started talking, you know, for an hour on the phone, which is where it was very unusual at that time, because years before it was like a conversation here and there. And that was it. You know, maybe a 10 minute conversation, 15 minute conversation every couple months, whatever. Um, but, you know, she was trying to get better and she was, you know, trying to be there. She was there my senior year um, when I was playing football, um, came to my game when I, I broke the record. It was the first game she's been at for years. And I went off and just had a, the best game I ever played uh, on my senior night. And that relationship kind of, you know, just started a little bit. And when I was in college, we started having that conversation. And I was like, oh, I want her back in my life. And I'll never forget, you know, the the day before she passed, man, it was before spring break. And we were having a good relationship. I came back home um, for spring break from college, about to go on a trip. And I saw her. I went over and saw her and we we're talking, you know, sitting there and it was a great conversation. She's like, oh, I'm telling everybody I see you on TV. You know, she's like, I'm playing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're having a just one of the one of the greatest conversations God has ever given me um, with her, to be honest, at that time. And, you know, when I uh, when I left there, you know, not kn knowing what's going to happen the next day when you know she passed. But when I left there, it was it was just a. Uh, a really good conversation. You know, it was a really good um, relationship that we were at. And, you know, as sad as it is and as terrible as it is, but if that was going to be the last one and that was how it was going to end, that's what I wanted. You know, there's no other way, other thing I would want to change um, than that. And us having that um, relationship from like disdain, I don't want anything to do with you. I just use you when I need you, yada, yada. That you're like, oh no, mom, like I want you. Like, you know, I'm talking to you about what's going on. Like, thank you, you know, and actually being like, yeah, you, you are, um, no matter what would happen, you are my mom. You know, you, you took care of me, you did things and you gave me life experiences that I would never, um, you know, never change and never look back and say, that was terrible. Like, no, it, it was, a, it was a blessing. And it's interesting because you mentioned she was like clean or feeling better, but a lot mm -hmm. of the change in the relationship ultimately came from you, man, like you maturing and you taking Absolutely. a different viewpoint on it. Um, that story kind of just gave me chills a little bit. I can't imagine like under the lights, yeah, senior man. night game, having your mom in the crowd, man. I'm sure that was, Yeah, dude. I'm sure that's something you think about a lot. I mean, I, at least I know I would. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It, it was a, uh, you know, <clears throat> it was a game that, it was uh, kind of like, you know, God's God's moment for me where a lot of things lined up and, you know, God gave me that moment to uh, step through a door and say, you know, you because God never puts God never does things for you. Right. You have to do it. He opens the door. And that game was this game where I just yeah, I was like, I'm not I'm not going to be stopped tonight. I remember it was like first player. Like, it was like first, like second play, one of the plays. And I like ran to the left and it was like three dudes. And I hit, I stopped, hit them and I took off and like they all just kind of fell. And I took off for 80 yards. And that, after that, I was like this game is on. <laughs> These dudes ain't going to stop me. Um, and my mom was there to see it and witness awesome. it in person. And yeah, it was great. Um, so man. you, you mentioned God a couple of times where, when did you, yeah. or, or how, like, what was the Genesis point of like faith being such a big factor and foundation piece in your life? So you want to understand being, you know, but hundred percent honest, I battle with faith all the time. And I have recently, um, you know, years ago, but dude, I used to hate, going to church. I used to hate it. So I used to go to church and I used to sit in there and I used to sit there and be like, what is that with all the thing, everything going on in my life, right? My mom, this, I'm just like, and I would just, I, I hated it, hated it. I absolutely sat in there. I'm like, yo, like th this guy's real. Like he put me through this garbage. Like, and then I'm seeing it, you know what I mean? Like just, you have all, you're just looking at it. You know, everyone's like, Oh God's so great. He's this and that. And I'm just sitting there as a young, you know, young teenager, like, 
you just got, you guys are nuts. You know, like, this is crazy. This is just a cult. You guys are all just, you know, issues. You guys have the issues. I don't got the issue, you know? Um, and man, it, it's just something that just kept, uh, kept weighing on me. And I, you know, I got to a point there where, um, you kind of, you know, like, well, you have to you know, give in, you know, I guess you could say, but you get to a point where you, you start asking the right questions. Um, and I started asking the right questions and really just said, you know what, like, I know up here mentally, if, if, if it's just me and, and I don't have anything to connect to or, or, or have anyone to talk to, um, it's not going to be good. I don't, I don't like who I am. So God was really, for me, it was just a relationship between me and God. That's how I always view it. And I still view it the same way. <clears throat> I go on my knees and I have a conversation you know, with God and I talk to him. And until the moment where I started asking the right questions and started giving into it and just saying, like, why don't I start praying every night and start telling him what you want, start asking him to open doors, start asking him to make the connections that a lot of things in my life didn't, you know, really started to happen then, like a lot before then, a lot of things didn't click. But once I started doing, doing that, that's when I started connecting the dots and started connecting things where I'm like, wait a minute, my mom's situation is, was bad, but like, look at, look at, look at, look at how I've come through this. I know people who come through even, you know, worse situations, but not even bad situations, and they're worse off. Like, look what I've gone through and, and look what I'm doing. Like, okay, God, I hear you. I see you. Like, he started connecting the dots of my purpose and my story and putting it in the good light. Like, Cole, I'm doing this for you. You may not understand it now. You may not understand all the, the trouble you're going through and how bad it feels now, but stick with me. And so was that something your parents instilled or was that just something you explored and found? So my parents, for the most part, in the beginning, they, they did, they tried, I will say, you know, my father, um, it's, it's really not, you know, even with now with what he's going through, um, that's really not a conversation he has. Um, and that's just him. He's just an old Italian, you know, old, tough Italian, man. I think, you know, in his mind, he does, but he doesn't, you know, express it. But um, no, it was really um, the, uh, my ex-girlfriend I dated, her family was big into it. So that's where I was going to church with them. And like, I'd be hanging out with her and they're like, oh, we're going to church. I'd just be like, oh my gosh, we have to go to church, you know, like just like that. So like they kind of, you know, they instilled that where I was like always thrown into it. Um, but really, I, even since I was young, when I was going through a lot of things with my mom, like real tough stuff, um, it was, I still always, that moment, like when you needed it, I would get down and pray, you know? So it was really, and I've always said like, I don't need to go to church. It's church. I don't need church. Uh, it's just between me and God. Like, I don't need to go to church and do this stuff. Um, so, you know, that was, a, you know, their family a little bit, but then also just understanding like, um, and listening to some good, good men that, you know, have good morals and values and them always re reverting back to God, right. It's the foundation and purpose. And, you know, once again, just asking the right questions and giving, you know, giving up your life to him and allowing him to connect the dots. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a, I feel like it's just such a controversial topic. And what I always come back to is like, what harm? does that do like, does that belief do right? Like, yes, there's people that don't have it, but look at the people that do have that belief and that faith. And it's like, see, it seems like a majority of the time it's not, you know, it's a positive, it's a consequently positive result for those people. Um, yeah. And, well, and you, I feel like, uh, uh just, just, to maybe shed some light on, on, uh, why it's such a controversial topic. It's like, I feel like sometimes people have a bad experience with religion. Yeah, like early you. on, which is like exactly what you're you were talking about, Cole. It's yep. you know, you're going to church, you have to go. You don't understand what the guy's saying, he's speaking in riddles. Yeah. You're in a pew, it's not comfortable. It's just 
there in some people when they grow up there's this aura around church it's like this fun thing we all go do afterwards we get breakfast we talk about it versus the other side of things so yeah i think you know some early on when that's being kind of presented to you the way it's presented definitely has a a large effect um it sounds like eventually you came to you know your conclusion on your own which i think most people end up doing but yeah yeah just shed some light on that because i remember you know, for me personally, I mean, both my parents were very religious and uh, we'll just say that their marriage wasn't the best and they stayed together. And I, you know, in, in yeah, a way, yeah. a, a part of that was due to their religious belief that they should. Um, so that was like, that's like some one thing that I think a situation where where people can look at and blame the religious piece rather than looking at like two people, um, yeah. which I definitely ha- had done when I was a bit when I was a bit younger. So yeah, um, yeah, I think there's some of those situations out there, but very cool that I like the, the perspective you have there of it's, you know, it's just you and your relationship with, with God, right. It's, you know, you don't have to feel like you have to go to, go to church or go to a building to, to feel that, um, that relationship. How, how did you, I guess, how did you discover that? Because of course, you know, if you're religious, the pressure would be, I would imagine to, you know, go to church um, at least once a week. At least that's yeah. how it was as a Catholic growing up. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, maybe I think part of it was discovered just by wanting to, I don't know, maybe just the feeling I got when I went to church, right? And I've always had mentally just like a different look on things. You know, I'm the one that was always like, wanting to do more, wanting to do different things differently. You know what I mean? Like I've always, I didn't always like to follow the path that everybody was doing, you know? So that's probably a reason why I was like, well, why do I got to go to church to just talk to God, you know? And this was before, like, I really dove into it and, you know, really started to listen to people that I look up to it who follow God, like Greg uh, Rochelle's one. I listen to all the time. Greg is, he's fantastic. Um, And he, I connect with him so well, but, that was before um, all that. And then it was just more of <clears throat> realizing like maybe there isn't just a check the box type of relationship with God. And I kind of always had that and instilled with that. And once I realized and got to a point that I knew I couldn't do or put myself first in this life and say like, I can handle all this, you know, I'm the tough one. I can handle what's going on in my life. I can do all this. Once I realized like, why don't you take a step back, man? Yeah. That's like for myself, relax drop the ego, get some humility in your life and go talk to God first. Allow God to, to talk to you. Allow God to come into your life first and say, you know what, God, what are we doing? What's the plan? Where are we going? And once I did that, I changed for, I wish you, if you would have met me in, when I was in high school, I'm compared to now a completely different man, for sure. Now I'm, I still have little, you know, little same things in there, but like the foundation of who I was in high school is not the foundation of who I am now. And that is probably my greatest thing um, and an evolution of my life from that before in high school it was, I can do it. I'm the man. I got this. Get out of my way. You know, I don't need you. God. Yeah. All right. I'll pray to you. God, keep me healthy. Let me play a game. My best ability, but I got this. And now it's God. What, what, what are we doing? What are you doing? Open the doors. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's build. What, what is your plan for me? I think that disconnection is kind of important. I, I start to think about when you talk about faith and like, Yes, life is you have the agency over your life, but that can be really fucking overwhelming at times to think that you mm-hmm. control 
every goddamn outcome, bro. It can be yeah. this like, and I'm struggling with that <clears throat> in my life a little bit now. And it's like, dude, disconnect from you controlling absolutely everything because it yeah. will beat you the fuck down. So, um, dude, I, I appreciate you sharing that, Kev. I think that's the first time we've ever really opened up about God, faith, religion, really. Maybe Dave in an earlier episode, but yeah. it's been yeah. quite it's some been time. A while. It's been a moment. Um, can we, can we circle oh, back? So, can we circle back to high school? So do you really find yeah. your outlet with sports? Um, yeah, wh- when did you, when did you know, like, that was what you were going to pursue, call it for the next evolution of Cole? Like, like you were going to go to college and play this sport. Like, was there a moment, a time, a conversation you had where you're like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. This is who I'm going to become in this next phase of Cole. Yeah, man. Um, so always kind of felt like it you know always had that in my head um but junior year um playing football was a a a decent year but it was a year where I definitely felt like I was uh I underachieved so going from my junior year into my senior year was a year where um I just committed mentally like I just was like I'm gonna be the best I'm gonna do it and as uh crazy as it may sound but in that moment like I truly believed I was going to be and you have to right when you're doing this stuff I truly believe I was going to be the next Danny Woodhead. Like, I'm like, I can make the league. What do you mean? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm a quick, I got good hands. I can play this game. I'm tough. Like, you know, I'm watching guys, you know, um, that are in the league doing this stuff. And I just believed it. I was like, that's going to be me. I can do it. I'm going to be that story. That's going to be me. I'm going to be able to tell my mom's story. And that's where my mom's experience played such a critical role in my life because I used it every single day when I didn't want to work out. I used it every single day when I felt like crap. I use that story saying, I'm going to tell her story. I'm going to be the one to tell it. I'm going to get there. I'm going to be the one. And that was it, man. Just the mindset clicked. And then the work proceeded. First the mindset, then the work. I put in work that year going into my senior year. Um, and when going into my senior year, once I started you know, getting into it, uh, I had some coaches and colleges there, a couple before um, interested. But once I started playing, then you know, a couple of games into it, I started realizing like, whoa, like I took a huge step from the, my junior year to my senior year, um, I'm like, I can do this. Um, and then from there, it was, I had a heck of a year. And yeah, a lot of doors opened up. But it started with the mindset, man. Because I look back at that time as me just being armored, sheltered, like I was just a, a bulldozer. And it started with the mindset first, I believe. There was no one that could tell me anything other than I'm, I, I, I'm doing this. So you formally accept an offer to Penn State. Like yeah. w- what was that experience what was that experience for you? Was that, did you feel like you made it at that time? Cause I, I would assume, I would assume if you got a big offer from a school like that, you're like, damn, I, you know, I'm yeah. about to go be the big man on camp. Like I, I, <laughs> so, I was around those Penn state players. Man. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I know how they rocked and rolled. Well, so here's the thing. And this comes back into the, the self-confidence talk, right? Penn state came to me, um, you know, during the senior year, my senior year, I was doing real well and they didn't offer me money. They just offered me a spot. And even then they were like, well, we're going to see, we got a couple, you know, group of kids we're looking at. So we'll, whatever, we'll, uh, we'll let you know. And I remember I got the call from uh, the coach, coach Fisher at the time. And he said, Hey, we want to bring you on board. And this is at this time I was already looking at other schools, you know, some division two, some D- division one, double a schools. And they made offers. And I'm like, what do I do here? I remember, you know, tell my dad, and he's just like, you do what you want. Yeah, nothing to lose. You, you make the decision. But when Coach Fisher told me, like, hey, we want you to come on board, it was just instantly I'm like, yeah, all right, let's do it. You want, you're allowing me to come on and, and play. They're like, we're going to give you a helmet. It was with Bill O'Brien at the time. 
He said, we're going to give you helmet, shoulder pads. We're going to give you every opportunity, just like everybody else. But he's like, not, you don't have money. So you're going to have to earn your way. I'm like, okay. And it just, and once again, in that moment, it fit into my mantra. Like, yes, you want to give me an opportunity to division one level? Watch me kick that door down. Watch me. And that moment, the self-confidence of looking at like, oh, you probably felt like you're on top. No, I didn't, man. I felt like, okay, I'm getting no money. They're literally opening the door. Do I look, you know, am I a dummy holder? Am I someone who's like, people are looking at and like, dumb practice decision, for, man. You're going to, you're just going to hold a dummy. You ain't going to play. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, they, they just need players. You know, they need bodies and took that energy, all that, that, that mindset and that negative in my head and spun it to work, to train and got up there. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm going to play. Like I'm going to play. I'm not going to hold a dummy. I'm not coming here to be a, just a, a guy on the, the team, you know, like, oh, I play with Penn State football and, and run around with that, you know, type of uh, logo. I was like, no, I'm going to play. I'm going to do something here. Um, and I felt it. I felt it deep inside. I felt a connection um, and say I didn't feel on top of the world. I felt still like I had a lot to prove. And that's kind of how I've always been since I was a freshman, eight, you know, eighth grade in, uh, in high school. So you go what two years at Penn State yeah. and face some injuries? I saw I, I read an article <laughs> yeah. after the blue and white game in the spring. Yeah. It seemed like you went off a little bit. Um, yeah. So, but you yeah. were facing some injuries or something. Yeah. Um, so I went to Penn State. So we'll, we'll make this quick. Went to Penn State, true freshman, walk on. Bill O'Brien was our coach. Great guy. Um, he's a coach that didn't care, you know, about your statistics in high school or your your stars. Like he just wanted good, tough players that would play and do the right things, right? So get there and during camp, my freshman year, just work my butt off, man, to um, get noticed. And I remember the one day I'll never forget. It was pre-practice. We're doing the offense, defense, doing some uh, um, scenarios and situations. And the one running back in front of me messed up. And that's when Bill O'Brien went off and was like, get him out, get him out, screaming, right? And he said, give me that uh, chip, chip out, chip out. What? Give me that chip out. You know, couldn't say my last name, right? He was just give me that kid. I feel I'm, it. <laughs> and I remember, I remember the guy next to me is like, yo, he's calling you. And I'm like, oh, snap. So I run out there. And I, I remember I lined up in the backfield and he's behind because you know, coach stand behind the offense and he stands behind it. And I get back there and he just whispers underneath his breath to me. He's like, don't fuck up, Chip. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this, but like. Um, oh, 100%. I uh, think I've cursed three yeah. times already, at least. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. He's like, he's like, don't fuck up, Chip. And I'm like, I got you, coach. I knew. Because, you know, that's the thing. Like when you're when you're a walk on. When you're someone that is trying to earn and you have to scrap for everything, like there is no mess up. So like mentally, I dove into the playbook. I knew the playbook, the back of hand, like I knew what to do. That, that was the biggest thing that got me on the field was I did the little things right. Did the little things right. Focused on the little things. And I let everything else take care of itself. And, you know, when I went out there. He's like, don't fuck. Out. I'm like, I got you. Don't worry, coach. I know what I'm doing. Um, and that was good. And then, you know, during that stretch session after he comes walking up to me, he's just like, keep doing what you're doing. I see you. And say after that conversation, man, it was just like a burst of energy that like, you know, Bill O'Brien, NFL coach, I'm coming from nowhere walk on, don't even know, you know who I am. And he's like, yeah, I see you. And from there, yeah, just kind of <laughs> catapulted me into working my butt off to get on special teams. Um, you know, and my freshman year, special teams, all four traveled, lettered, a couple carries here and there. Um, but going into sophomore year, spring game is when, uh, <clears throat> you know, I had the, the, uh, and blue and white MVP. But before that was when my mom passed. So when I came home for spring break, before we started everything, she passed away. So I had to deal with all that. 
And then when I got to um, campus, came back, we started writing the camp. And that was, I would say, the epiphany, the, the, the peak of my football um, mindset and just motivation right there when I hit that moment. When I hit that moment, you know, against Division One guys, all great players, I came into that camp, spring camp, and had the best camp ever. I mean, I You're ran hard. Different, dude. dude. I, I wish I had a video of it. I don't think I, I lost it. I had a video where I caught a screen and came out, and it was me one-on-one with the safety. And I literally ran as hard as I can, put my shoulder down, and, dude, he hit like a dummy. Boom, and bounced back up. Like, it, dude, it was – I just kept going. It was nuts. Everybody went crazy. Um, I just ran hard, and I, and I earned respect that way. I earned respect by playing tough, by smashing people. Um, so, yeah, I had a great spring practice and then spring game. I had a really good game. And going into my sophomore year there at Penn State, I was excited because I was in the role, right? I was the fourth back, but we were, we had two seniors. So, like, I'm in the, I'm in the, uh, the, mix. the mix of things. Yeah. And this was when Franklin was there. So, it was different staff, all different stuff. And, you know, I like Franklin and his staff. They were great. Um, but I just felt that I maxed out what I could do there because my sophomore year, they really didn't give me a chance. And maybe I didn't earn a chance. I mean, that's the thing. It's not uh, – you know, some's on me. I can't blame them, right? I'm not uh, looking at them and say, oh, you didn't play me. It was just I looked at the situation in my sophomore year. I'm like, I think I maxed out what I can do here. Or at least I feel like it. I don't feel like I did when I first came, and I wanted to leave. And you want to talk about mindset, guys. In that moment, I was still playing. So it was like middle of the year. I was like, I'm out of here. I remember, you know, crying, all emotional with my dad. and like, I'm done with this place. I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm leaving just so negative, just so mad about this because I felt like I haven't got that opportunity that I feel like I deserved, you know? And I don't know, maybe, maybe did I deserve it? Did I not? I don't know. And in that moment, I just turned, I, and my mindset was different. It was just a negative mindset. It was evil mindset. It was, you know, God, this, this screw you guys. And that's when I got hurt. That's, and I've never got hurt, you know, long on my career playing football and sports, man, I never got hurt. Only time I got hurt, I broke my left wrist when I was in fourth, fifth grade playing basketball, but football never. And I tore my right knee, my meniscus in practice. And I'm like, what? Just making That's a weird. cut. And I'm like, well, what the heck? So that took me out two weeks and I came back and was playing, um, came back two weeks and got back, you know, was playing, but still in that same type of like, I'm leaving. And in this, and then um, after that surgery, um, when I came back, I started looking and telling them, like, I want to leave. You know, I want to transfer. So I want to see what other schools are available. And last game of the year against uh, Michigan State, running down on kickoff and just plant just normally to make the tackle. And boom, left knee blew out. And there goes my ACL. Oh and my once God. that happened, I'm like, yeah, nah, I'm, I'm out of here. You know, there was no there was no thought of coming back or staying. I was just like, yeah, I'm out of here. But the mindset changed for me now when I look back on it, it was a positive, like, I'm going to do it. I'm the guy. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my freshman year and even into my sophomore year. And then once it got to that point where I just felt slighted, you know, I just took it. I just looked, looked at it differently and changed. That's when everything changed for me, my body, my, my knee, one injury after another. Did that change your, like, identity at all when, when you tra- – because you transferred to Shippensburg oh, right after that? You want to hear this? So, yeah. <laughs> so I blow up my knee. That was going into November. So, yeah, November, sophomore year, blow out my knee. So we come home for uh, winter break. I'm looking to leave and I'm like, okay. so I'm talking to schools. And this is when I was talking to Shippensburg University, Division two school, nice school, powerhouse uh, offense. I like their offense. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go there. But 
I had to get ACL surgery and I had an option of, you know, staying at Penn state and doing it or had an option of going to ship after I got the surgery, like a week later. And I'm like, I'm going to go to a new school. Don't know anyone after a week or like a week and a half after ACL surgery, try to get around campus with a, a brace on my knee. Like I was like, it just, I can't do this. So I'm like, dad, I got to, I'm going to stay home. Like, I'm just going to stay home spring semester and go back or go to ship in the fall. Like, I I can't. Like, there's no way I'm going to do this. So I stayed home. But in that moment, I'm like, I'm not just going to stay home and do nothing. So I picked up a job working at a Foot Locker. Okay. All right. So the spring semester. So you want to talk about something crazy. So I went from November playing in the Big Ten on ESPN, right? Big time. Thinking like, yo, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the one they're going to tell a story about this kid from Blackhawk, you know, small school, yada, yada, right? to working at Foot Locker. Do you want to talk about an ego just like crushed? And that was the moment looking back at it now where God really, I would say, entered my life and said, you took for granted what I gave you. You looked at it way different. You didn't, you didn't, you weren't the same person you were where to get you where you were at when I changed my mental side of things and took negative. You know, and just as like so negative about football and and way they were treating me and, and not looking at it like, oh, I'm just gonna keep proving you wrong. You know, and, and now I'm sitting here working at Foot Locker telling people, yeah, I can go check if you have 10 and a half at the back. Like it was tough, man. It was tough. That's like a, it sounds like a pivotal moment in your life, like this yeah. three, four months. How did how did you get through that and what did you take away from that? <sighs> man, looking back, I haven't really thought about it in a while, to be honest, but uh it was definitely a pivotal moment. Um, how I got through it was just the, just the focus on um, life, to be honest. That's when I started realizing like you know, football is not it. Like it's not everything, you know, I'm not going to be playing even like in my mind, or even if you play in the league, right. If you get a chance, it, it, you're not doing it forever. So the pivotal moment was like, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to do um, with Cole? You know, who, who am I um, going to become? And that was kind of the, the, the change of it all where I started a little bit, you know, focusing more on school because when going to Penn State to play football, you, I could care less about school. You know, I just show up to class here and there. And other than that, like, let me go back, let me lift, let me train, let me get ready to, you know, be, be uh, at practice. Um, but that pitiful moment was more of like, okay, what's life look like for Cole? Mm. And it was, uh, you know, it's not going to be there. It took a big dream was taken away from me, but I still had the faith and belief that like, um, once I recover back from this, I'm going to, get back and give it everything I have. That was all I could. That's all I had in my mind. Was just give it everything that you got. Did you still think when you went to ship that you were going to go pro? Like, was it, or is it more just, okay, now I'm just going to live out the last two years of football. Cause it's like, that's the, the book end yeah. of the chapter. Um, yes and no. Um, when I went to ship. Uh, I f- still felt very confident in, in my playing ability. There's no doubt about that. Um, but the, the far dream of it was like, I always kind of just once in, I always shunned it down. Not like I did before, you know, before it was always like, man, you know what, we'll see, maybe I can, maybe I will. And then when, you know, people would talk about it, like, oh, you know, the league, you know, playing the NFL, I'd be like, nah, it's probably not, you know, and we're all, you know, we all can't make it. It's, it's not something that um, everyone gets a chance to do. So that moment, I uh, really just focused on enjoying it enjoying playing football with guys that were good guys, but guys that loved the game. And then just said, you know what? I got two years left. That's what I always said myself. I got two years left to play this game. I just want to play it. I want to run the ball. I want to be the athlete that I am. Cause at Penn state, 
I did not want to waste four years of my playing career just doing special teams. That's why I left. I'm like, I don't want to do special teams. I don't want to just run down the field every time here and there and say I'm on ESPN and, and walk around with the Penn State band. Like, I mean, like, no, like, I am not. Good band, though, bro. Yeah, 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 Great band, great band, by the way. But, but you know, like, walk around with the, the badge of, like, hey, I played Penn State football. Um, I could care less, man. I could care less. I just love the game. So at, at ship, it was more of enjoying the moment and being there. But I will say going into my senior year, like it was kind of like a, a remix of back in the high school. Going into my senior year, I felt the, I felt amazing. It was a year out. It was like two years out from my ACL. I trained my butt off. I felt going into camp the best I've ever felt. I'm like, heck yeah, senior year, college, here we go. Like I'm ready. Like, this is going to be a heck of a year, man. I'm going to have a year. And first game of the year, I get, it was a rainy day. I get tackled and I get like swiped by the back of my leg, my, my uh, cat, uh, ankle. And I hit my knee on the ground, straight on the ground. And dude, my knee swelled up on me like a balloon. It was nothing but fluid. It was the worst excruciating pain I've, I've had outside of surgery. And I had to deal with that. I missed two games. I had to deal with that the whole season. Then my left knee, I sprained my MCL when I came back from that. It was just like one thing after another in my, my senior year of football there at ship. And I battled, dude. I was in pain, so much pain every game, even practice, and just did everything I could to play as much as I can. And when I was done, we made playoffs that year. We had a good year, but we lost. And last game of the year we were playing, I had the ball. I got We were trying to get out of the end zone, and I got hit on my hip. Safety came down. He had a free shot, dude. Full speed, just crushed my hip, gave me a hip pointer, and I was out second half. Couldn't play, couldn't even move. I couldn't even sneeze. I couldn't bend without being in excruciating pain. And at that moment, it was just a, a a whole wave of everything on me. I'm like, my body's telling me I'm done. Like, there was no conversation after the fact. It was like, do I give it a shot? Right? Do I start training for it? Do I just say, hey, why not? Dude, I was like, I'm done. This, my body's telling me my knees hurt. I'm like. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to be that old guy, you know, or that middle-aged guy with like, Oh, I got bad knees and out of shape. And cause I tried to, you know, push or do, um, more football, more physical stuff. So at that moment I was done. The fact that people play in the, the league that long, bro, is insane. Like you just mentioned to me, I'm hearing like the stories of your injuries and I'm thinking I'm like shivering in my seat. And it's like the fact that people play two decades in the NFL, that's oh. insane. Gotta yeah, take care of your body. People don't talk about durability enough as like an attribute. Yeah. That's a great boy. Like, dude, I would be <laughs> I'd be like made of glass out there. Yeah. That's why I, that's why I swim, you know, just just water content. Yeah. Yeah. That's great for your body. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, exactly. I did that rehab wise. Yeah. That's great. But yeah, football takes a toll on your body, man. And you know, it's a price you pay. Um, and I was always willing to pay that price, but you know, after my senior year of college, I'm just like, dude, I'm tired of being hurt. I was in pain my entire fall semester. I was in pain with football, my knees, you know, and then you play a game then something else would hurt. And then it's just like trying to run. I couldn't run without my knee throbbing with like piercing pain, man. Like I, I can handle some pain. This was ridiculous pain. Um, and once you get to that point, you're just like, dude, is it, you know, is it worth it? And, you know, I was completely and I still am to this day with my football career and everything I did with sports in general, like at peace with it. I gave it everything I got. I literally did. Now there could be things different. Always. We can always look back and say different, but 
I gave it everything I got. I'm proud of the man I was. I'm proud of the, the things I did, but I'm at peace with it. You know, it's one of those things that a lot of people can't step away from. Um, but I was at peace with it when I walked away, but I had a hard time finding what was next. I was okay with leaving that. Um, didn't have an issue with it. Wasn't living in my glory days or living in the past, but I had an issue finding what's next. Well, easy. You're a financial advisor, dude. There yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. You Safe. know, we love the financial service industry on this podcast. Isn't that right, Kev? Love it. Can't get enough. It's just, like, it's just like a, it's just like a, a, a sport, a game. It really is. And even in the moment of, you know, cause I started with Edward Jones, um, even in the moment of building the business, Edward Jones, right. He, still having the, the mindset of what am I doing? You know, what, where am I going? Like, cause all the way back to fifth grade, sixth grade, when you start playing football, you think college, you think NFL, right? You think big dreams. Then you come to hear, you know, the, the finance industry and they're just building a business in general. And you see the, you know, the same thing, but it's also, it's, uh, it's, it's every day, you know, cause in sports in high school, you're, you're going through seasons, right? You have your off season, then you got your in season, you know, your pre-camp, then you got your season, then your off season, right? So you're training. So every year it's, there's a cycle you're going through. So you're always evolving and adapting, but when you get out of it and you're just like every day, January to December, you're building a business, you're doing this. It, it's very easy to, to focus on one, right. And then lose the other and lose like your fitness or lose your faith or not focus on the business. Um, that was my biggest thing. I, like when I got out of it and lost the, the cycle of things, I was so used to it. It's hard to find. It was hard to find the, the fitness journey. It's hard to find um, exactly like, you know, what am I doing here? Like I got a good, good career here. I like what I do, but like, what is it that you want to do with this? I have a question just to kick off the financial service industry conversation. What's your, what was your biggest misconception or like what, yeah. What, what was your opinion of the, the industry versus like joining it and now being in it? Like, what is the that, difference that you had to be the smartest and the brightest and the most mathematical guy to do the business? Seriously. Yeah. Uh, when I first was introduced to it, I'm just like, once again, self doubt with yourself, like, what are you talking about? You know, stocks, bonds, investments, IRA. I have no clue what you're talking about. Like it, whole foreign language. Um, but the misconception that like, yeah, you needed to, you know, mentally wise uh, or you know, education wise that you needed to have this degree, that there was so much information that you needed to know beforehand. Um, that was probably my biggest misconception with it, looking at it, right? And understanding um, really, in, in, in terms of it, when you step outside now, we're not taught this. We're not taught financial education. So the fact that whatever, you know, even people that just have a finance degree, like, as long as you, you know, majority more than most people, like, just by that. Um, so having the misconception of thinking like, man, I, I, I need to know a lot of stuff, like a lot of in, you know, crazy in detail stuff, you know, alpha beta stuff like that people talk about when you see, I'm like, uh, well, it can be in, in situations, but the situation I'm in with handling people's money and emotions and their life and their finances, uh, it's not like that, man. You know, it, it, that was my biggest misconception where I had to feel like I needed to know the product in and out, um, to a point where it was just, I would say like nerdy, right? Nerdy. You know, that's just not, I was never, that was never me. So I'm like, I can't be a nerd job. Like, this is not who I am. 
Yeah, there's there's something weird about the financial service industry, more specifically, I guess, our you know financial advising in general, where there's this there's this conception that everyone should already know this stuff. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is just mind-boggling to me. And there's, of course, I know you work with you know you have clients, and I'm sure you deal with this a decent amount as. You know, people come in and it's a very apprehensive situation, right? It's, yeah. You know, you should know this. Like, I should know what to do with my money because, uh, you know, you just should. You're not taught it, but you should just figure it out. So it's crazy. It's crazy. So I, I can definitely relate to uh, those feelings of, you know, I was never, I was never that focused in math class. We'll just leave it at that. Um, so thinking about trying to trying to utilize uh, yeah. those skills more specifically in that yeah. industry, you definitely don't have to be um, the nerd per se. Understanding it's important, mm-hmm. but um, most people just they just want to know if they're going to be okay um, and yeah. if they're doing the right things. Um, yeah, so, and I think yeah. you know you you probably experience this as well. Is why would anyone trust me with their money? You know what I mean? Like when you really, especially being young, I mean, like, you know, that's what I'm, I'm coming from college straight into a profession where I'm managing people's money. Why would they trust me? You know, and that's where the, the conversation or the, the thinking of, I need to know this stuff. Like I need to be <laughs> like, it's just, there's so much there that you need to know, right. Is more of, well, what if, right. When you like, what if I just focus on the client? What if I just focus on saying, look, I know I'm young. I know I don't have the experience that maybe someone who has gray hair does, but I understand what you're trying to do. I understand your goals. I understand you and you can count on me. You can call, you know, who you're going to get, you're going to get me. You know, I understand um, what you're trying to do with this money or what you're trying to do with your life and set your family up. And you know, if I don't know the answer, I'm going to do it, you know, do the work, find it for you and give you that answer back. So the whole thing, when I stepped into it was like, are people going to trust me? You know, am I, am I someone worthy enough and trustworthy enough to be able to sit across the table from someone um, and have them hand over their life savings to me and say, help me out. Like that was a big thing. Um, you know, self-confidence wise, like I had to overcome because looking at my situation, personal experience, I couldn't sit here and say, well, I know how to manage money. Let me show you how I've, I've done my money. You know what I mean? Or my family done is, uh, you know, had a firm and did this, or my dad uh, had done this and be able to draw on experience. Only thing I can say my experience is I know how it feels to sit in a grocery line, hoping, hoping that the welfare card would work. Because if it didn't, you had a whole freaking uh, grocery cart full of food that you weren't going to be able to pay for because my mom couldn't afford it. So getting into this industry, what I thought it was, is like a reverse script of what it really is, at least how I, you know, look at it and see it because it's the personal experience. It's the relationship with clients because the solution, the tool and investments are the tool and the solution is figured out after meeting with them and after really understanding people from to a, a ground level. Cause then from there we can find the, the solution, the tools with investments. Yeah. And you point on something really important, I think, and that's age in our industry. I think yep. we've all, I know Colton has myself had this, uh, this weird focus on our age and how people perceive that. How have you yeah. tackled that issue? It sounds like you're kind of over that hump, but yeah. That? Yeah. I use, I love it. Uh, I really do. I don't think it's, uh, I mean, maybe some people, 
you know, when they talk to me or say like how old I am, think of a negative. But every time I have that conversation with someone, um, it's a positive. You know, it's like, look, I'm going to be around. I, I want to be able to take care of you. And when something happens, whether it's, you know, husband and wife, you're going to call me. I'm going to be here. I'll take care of you. And then also for your kids as well. So the age is the one of the biggest points I always try to tell people because I try to get out right away. You know, most people, when they see me first or meet me the first time, like they know, you can tell maybe not with the mustache as much now, but they know they always ask. There's a point like, hey, how old are you? Um, but one, the way you handle yourself, that's what I say. Like if someone's young and is in the industry and is like, oh, I'm, why would they listen to me? I'm young. First thing you need to do is handle yourself. Like someone is, a, like you're a, the, a 10 year, 15 year, 20 year professional. Be very professional. Handle yourself very, very, um, you know, uh, I'd say uh, just be to the point, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Someone's young. So paint yourself professional. Be to the point. Don't be afraid to and hide it. Right. Just be to the point. Like, yeah, I've been doing the industry for for four years. So I have learned a lot in four years. But I also bring a new energy, a new wave because I'm excited for the next 10 years and what this industry and how I can evolve and adapt because I'm not stuck in old ways. You know, the way in, way investing is done and how it's been done for the past 25 years is changing on a rapidly basis. So I'm able to understand and, and, and be alert to what's going to change and, and, and be willing to change. Um, but being young is a huge advantage, especially when you come off as professional. You, you're not afraid to, to let them know. And then you're real. Just be real with people. Let them know. I let people know all the time like when I when I sit with them in meetings, let them know where I come from, who I am you know, why I'm doing this. And I don't do, I'm, I come from very humble beginnings and let them know that I don't come from a situation where I think, you know, I'm, you're going to listen to me and I, I know exactly what I'm doing. Like, no, I just want to help you out. And I want you to know when I leave, Cole is going to do what's best for us. I trust Cole. I like Cole. And no matter what, I know I can count on him. That's it. That's in this industry, you returns, um, you know, investments, annuities, product, like, man, just get your client to trust you and like you. And then from there, you guys can find a solution to their goals. It's that simple, but it's very hard to do because a lot of people have egos and a lot of people just can't connect well with people. Um, and it just takes time. That's how I feel. Like it just takes time. Um, I find it, <laughs> I find it kind of interesting. I was having a conversation with someone the other day, man. And it's like, you think this industry is this really nerdy thing, like finance, the financial service industry yeah. being nerdy, but you go back to all the things you learned as an athlete. And it's like some of the people, the yeah. most successful people in the financial service industry have that sports education or that sports background because they apply those same things, consistency, working on themselves, discipline, focus. They bring that to this industry and they crush it more than the nerdy people that are doing all this research. And like, it's the people that are able to build relationships. Yeah. And that's why so many athletes are successful in this industry. Like yeah, a lot of yeah. wealth managers, man. Yeah. Um, and I, when I say nerdy people, I don't want to, you know, um, put it out there to people like, you know, oh, you're in, like, I'm against it, but it's just, when I walked into the industry, when I see it, I didn't have the degree. I, I'm a criminal justice major. So I didn't have the degree to it. And I obviously didn't have credentials and, uh, you know, a CFP and everything that all these people have and thinking I needed that to feel worthy of handling and doing this business. You don't. And that is the biggest, that was one of the conceptions I had. 
And yeah, I, I just want to be explicit. When you mean nerds, you mean like the kids you used to shove in the lockers in high school. Right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Back in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I love, dude, I love what you said there too about just addressing the elephant in the room. That's the first thing I always do. Like my line is I'm sure you can tell I'm a little bit newer to the industry given my lack thereof facial hair. Like that's like my kind of that's my kind of line, but um, not you a mustache. <laughs> I, I don't have that Top Gun face or facial hair, unfortunately. <laughs> um, dude, what are you struggling with most in your business right now, or like where and, and where do you see this thing going for you? Um, nothing. Struggling the business, I think you're when you're looking at it from my or my perspective, struggling. Yeah, there's always going to be something, right? Struggle wise, but it's really just the growth aspect, like um, where I'm looking to take it. Um, how how do I take it there? Do I you know partner? Do I buy a book? Like it, it's a very hard industry and business um, to bring in one client at a time and keep it going, just because it it's a. Uh, it's, it's very hard to do. It's not, you know, people would think it's not very fruitful um, at first. You have to, it's just like building a, or getting a rocket off the ground. However, the energy and fuel is used to get it off the ground first. And once it's up, you're good. So I would say I'm still in that phase of getting it up off the ground um, and getting, I would say getting close, but the foundation is set there. Um, I, you know, struggling, it's just got to be the administrative and the time task. It's just me right now running it. You know, LPL, my, my broker, they're great, but it's just me running the show and doing it all. So with everything going on in my life, the struggle is, is like the time management. And I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. And I think, and I resort back to Andy, because Andy's a great one to, to re- rely on for things like this, right? You just win the day. You have a couple tasks, three, four, five tasks each day that you do, and you just knock it out and get it done. But um, yeah, struggling is just kind of, Every day is something new with this industry and this business. So it's just trying to figure out where am I going and how am I going to do it? Um, you have a couple of advisors I'm working with and talking to to try to see, hey, we merge, we partner up, we build this thing. Um, but, you know, right now it's, it's just one day at a time, just trying to keep knocking it out and keep moving forward. I feel like, I mean, I can at least speak for myself here, man. A lot of the stuff that I'm trying to build within my repertoire as far as business, it's not really pretty right now. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of grunt work. And yeah, to, to your point, giving yourself the fuel, like to just get off the ground in this first five, like almost five to seven years of being in an industry and a job. Um, yeah. Kev, do you, do you have anything over there? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, yeah, it doesn't get, it doesn't get any easier even when you get multiple people. I no. think, uh, you know, I like that analogy you used of, you know, it takes like, probably you know in terms of the rocket it's going to take you 90 percent of your fuel to get through the atmosphere and then the rest of that is you know when once the gravity is not a factor then then you're you're floating in the air so we're huge Um, science guys yeah yeah yeah. right yeah we're all just a bunch of nerds on here you know yeah exactly exactly (laughs) no yeah i mean i think you know the industry or my business so you know 80 87 clients i have and about uh 20 26 around me yeah, at 26 million. Um, it's, it's great. It's great to be independent. I will say that. I don't know. Um, you know, coming from Edward Jones, um, to a company being W2 to independent land, it opens up a lot more opportunities. Um, but you know, the biggest thing right now I see, and I'm, and I'm working on building or utilizing, you know, Kevin, you can relate to this is how do we help people who may not have 
the assets to manage. And that is the probably the most uh, important aspect for our financial, you know, as advisors, financial perspective or field in the next five years to figure out. Everybody needs advice. Everybody needs a solution to figure out their finances, or at least, you know, should be offered that. And as advisors, right, our goal is to help you with their money, but we only get paid for majority of us for assets under management. So you're not handling clients who you know, don't have money to manage because once again, your time is worth money. You're the product. And I've been using, um, and I'll throw them in here, Elements, um, and they're a financial planning software, which is mm-hmm. absolutely, uh, I think, game-changing. Um, and fantastic to be able to offer to people, whether it's a membership or subscription-based, right? Ways to take care of their their net worth, their money, and being able to track it over time to make sure that they're doing the right things to set themselves up. You know, because the biggest thing is I'm 28. Um, when I talk to people around my age, you know, they don't care about retirement, and let alone they're working maybe one job for the past couple of years, so all their money's in a 401k, and they're looking to buy a house and marriage, yada yada, right? So there is no incentive or money there for me to manage to make money off of, right? But I don't have a a value and solution to say, well, here's a solution I can work with you on to make sure that we're tracking your net worth, your your money, and to say, let's make smart decisions with your money. Let's track it so we know where we're at and how we're improving. So you can look and say, wow, this past year, I grew my net worth $20,000, right? I, I cut my debt down. So you understand how you're doing, because if you don't understand how you're doing, then you're not going to, one, feel good about yourself. And two, you're not going to know what you need to do when some next financial burden comes into play. Um, so I think, you know, our industry is lacking in that because there's a 90, I'd say maybe 80% of people out there that fall into this category that need something on an advice side where it's not managed money. Yeah. 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 We have a, we have a solution for that. And, and that's good. That's good. You're getting creative with it. Cause I mean, that's, that's a huge gap within the industry is people lack creativity. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I, we, I actually, it's funny you, you mentioned elements cause I've definitely, we've taken a look at that. Uh, it's a cool, cool tool. Um, yeah, it is cool. And yeah, it makes a, makes a lot of sense. You're using it for you, probably your younger, your younger clients. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, I mean, you know, you run, uh, like right capital and stuff scenarios, um, for retired clients, but yeah, it's a, it's a cool tool. Um, and definitely for, uh, the younger clients who are more tech savvy. Um, it's a good, it's a good solution. And I think it's going to continue to evolve and adapt, but I know there's, there's a whole opportunity out there for advisors like us and people to have a, a group or a solution that can help people manage their money. And then also, you know, your time is your uh, is money. So you know, you're the product, I'm the product. Um, and it's a new wave of uh, financial advice that I want to be a part of. Good stuff. Where can people find out more about you, brother? Uh, Instagram. So it's a Cole underscore chip 33. Um, and then obviously my business 412financial.com. Uh, but yeah, mainly Instagram. So I post here and there. I don't do as much as I used to, but um, with life going on, sometimes you got to step away, you got to build yourself um, and focus on it. Cause I think a lot of people uh, fall into the trap of social media. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think Colin, you understand with, uh, with Sean Whalen, kind of the same thing. Sometimes with all the stuff you put out there, it's great. And sometimes it can bring a little bit too much burden to you or just stress that you don't need. So I tell people all the time, turn the phone off and actually step out into the real world. You'll like what you see. 
And dude, he, and one other thing I want to just mention is like, I, my favorite part of your Instagram, I'm in the financial service industry is the stuff you post about your dad. It's like the, the struggles you yeah. go through. And I think, you know, yeah, you, man. you sell yourself as the product for what you, what you deliver to clients in your business. And it's like, I think the reason people work with you is because you post that stuff that isn't necessarily financial service industry related content. Um, yeah. Yeah. If people, you know, I can't quite agree with this, but yeah, if you're in the finance industry, any industry, any business, man, you promote you, you're the yep. product. You are the product, you are the business. So um, yeah, don't be afraid to promote and put out stuff that's real and, and uh, what's going on. And even if it's a little bit of personal and scary to put out, just do it, man. It's because someone's listening, someone's watching. That's my biggest thing. I want people to know um, what I'm going through and understanding because when I look back at it, right, with everything, when I look back at this situation, my father, when I look back at situations, I just look at it and say, you know, how am I going to be the leader? How am I going to be the captain of my life? So people can look at it and say, dang, how did Cole do that? Damn, if Cole can go through that and do, look at him, I, I can do it. I can get through this. I can do it. It's that simple, man. Just be the example. That's where we're going to end it. We appreciate the, the time, man. We appreciate you Sorry, spending bro. your Saturday morning with us. Uh, and yeah, man, have a great rest of your day. All right. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Good so, talking to you. Later, Cole. Kev, yep. Good talking to you, man. See ya.